What is up, everybody, and Happy New Year. Happy 2021, the first official Maze and Brew podcast of 2021, uh, and it is the Hoops podcast. I am Chris Castellani, joined by my boss and friend, Anthony Broom. And, you know, 2020, uh, no fault of our own, but 2020, I feel like, was it was the year of many things. But I think on this website, um, in, in many ways, it may have been the year of negativity. Uh, we had cancellations. We had a pandemic. We had tragedy. We had the biggest tragedy of all, which was the the football team this season. So, um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of brutal stuff uh, went down, and we were, you know, we were in the thick of it, and we were critical. I, I never felt like we were overly critical, but the reason I bring that up is because I, I think in general this fan base and this site, and I know Anthony, and I feel like you feel this way as well, has been really yearning for some positivity here, and. Maybe 2021 will be different. And the reason I talk about all of this is because this basketball team, a currently 9-0, and uh, atop the Big Ten, rankings by the time you're listening to this may have already come out, but it, they were 16 at the beginning of this week. I think it's safe to say they may sneak into the top 10 with the wins they had this week uh, against Maryland and Northwestern. And, and that's where uh, we'll jump right in. You know, Michigan, two really impressive wins. Over the week, the first one, uh, New Year's Eve uh, against Maryland, a Maryland team that had just beaten the number six team in the country in Wisconsin, and a 19-point drubbing uh, against the 19th-ranked Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, we'll, we'll jump right in, if it's cool with you, Anthony, just going right ahead to the Maryland game. Um, this was a game where you know Michigan's had – some adversity at points this year. Obviously, the Oakland game and the Penn State game were very close, but um, Michigan was up two, I believe, at halftime of this game. And I remember texting you and saying, I feel like they've played too well to only be up by two. Mainly, Maryland shot 80-something percent from the three-point line, and I don't think I'm being hyperbolic there. I think that's actually around what it was. They were nine for 11 or something. And Michigan fell behind by, I believe, three or four in the second half. And proceeded to play about 15 minutes of flawless basketball. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about what went into make or what made those last 15 minutes so special. But overall, I, I mean, it, that felt like a game that they may end up losing. You know, first real road test of the season. You're down at, uh, you know, at some point in the second half, it seemed like momentum had kind of swung. And Michigan responded uh, from a body blow by landing an uppercut punch. And I thought that was probably up until that point, up until, you know, Sunday, the most impressive victory of the season. One of the more impressive victories of the Juwan Howard era so far. Would you agree? Yeah, without question. Um, If so, let's set the scene here. Michigan had gone 12 days without playing a game, played a game on Christmas day, their first road game of the season. And then you go another six days before you play a game. Again, it's a holiday. You're going back on the road. You're playing another holiday game, uh, New Year's Eve at Maryland, which, again, we've talked about this before. No fans. It's a little bit different, but you're still away from home, and that's a good team and a tough place to play. Um, the I don't think the it would not have been held against them on their resume if they had lost that game. I don't think it really would have changed our outlook of who they are as a team if they had lost that game. Um I don't want to say an excuse or a free pass would have been built in, but it would have been understandable if they lost. And again, you know, you, you brought it up. They were only, they were only up two points at halftime. Uh, Maryland was, I think they shot 82% from three in the first half of that game. 
that wasn't sustainable. Like water is going to find its level. That's true. So yes. To be, to be in that spot. Uh, listen, I mean, it's, and we'll talk about three point defense and, and, you know, kind of what was the antithesis of, of the Maryland game uh, on Sunday against Northwestern, but yeah. Um, it, I, I tweeted it, you know, it, it's another one of those games and I, I kind of admitted this last week and it's something that someone who runs a site like this probably should admit, but because it was a holiday, you're, you're not totally 100% there all the time. Like you, you're a little bit foggy and it would have been understandable if the team was foggy, mm-hmm. but what was apparent to me in that game? Because I mean, you look at Michigan's schedule leading up to the Maryland game. It was a lot of impressive wins given who, you know, who the opponent was thorough wins. Uh, there was the Oakland game. But other than that, they took care of business, but there wasn't really and, and one Penn state was Penn state was a grinder. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a grinder as well. There wasn't yeah. really a, a marquee opponent where you're like, that's, that's a hell of a win for them. Uh, the Maryland game to me was that, and what it solidifies is that, you know, not only, you know, forget what the rankings say. I mean, I, I think this is one of the 10 best teams in college basketball. I think I, I talked about that last week and, you know, to, to kind of pivot away from that for a second, something that was, you know, a couple of days before the Maryland game, a day or two before we talked to players and we talked to Hunter Dickinson, Terrence Williams, and those were guys who are literally, I'm not sure what the exact uh, distance is from Maryland to, um, you know, where Hunter Dickinson went to high school, but think kind of like Ann Arbor pioneer to like the big house in terms of like proximity, how, how down the road they are. That's how close Hunter Dickinson is to, or came from, uh, from being on Maryland's campus and they didn't really recruit him. And, you know, you talk to people, they'll say he didn't really want to go there anyways, but they didn't really, really, they didn't show a ton of uh, desire to bring him there either. And he took that personally. And just about at, after just about every basket that he scored in the first half of that game, you know, he was mean mugging, you know, Mark Turgeon and the Maryland bench. And, you know, if I remember correctly, he may have gotten a technical for it. I don't he remember. Did, yeah. But uh, yeah, my brain is foggy uh, as we sit here late on a Sunday night. But, you know, like I said, uh, just another performance that hammers home. They've, they've prepared for games on short notice. Mm-hmm. They've prepared for games. 12 days away. They've, they've played games six days apart, a week apart. There's nothing this team is not prepared for at this point. Uh, the, the only question to me, um, you know, through that Maryland game was, you know, how much better can they get? Because what you see right now is, is obviously we're, we're a couple weeks into kind of having this knowledge that this team is ahead of schedule. Now to me, it's how high does it go? And yeah. I, I don't think it's any coincidence that they're, ascent kind of goes hand in hand with Franz Wagner just being the guy that we all expected him to be. Now I'm with you completely. And there's several guys I want to hone in on, obviously, you know, well, Franz was, was excellent against Northwestern and has been over the last three games. So I'm going to, I'm going to going to kind of save that for when we talk about the Northwestern game, but uh, Mike Smith against Nebraska played the best game he'd played as a Michigan Wolverine. Uh, that statement was true for about six days because he was phenomenal against Maryland. 16 points, six assists, six rebounds, um, five for seven from the floor, including two for two from three-point land. An uh, excellent performance, a great floor game. Um, I, I think Juwan 
that was to me the best game he's coached at Michigan. And the reason I say that is because they were, you know, they were, they, they took a body blow. They were down in the second half. Maryland was, was thriving off of made three pointers and yes, water found its level Maryland, nor will any team uh, shoot 80% from, you know, beyond the arc uh, over a 40 minute game, but he switched his zone. And that zone completely shook and smothered Maryland for the last 15 minutes of that game. And that was a, a phenomenal coaching decision. And it just, to me, shows it shows the trust that he has in a lot of these players that you can make that switch fairly late in a game and guys can just jump on it and say, all right, let, let's do this. Because uh, that was something, I mean, you know, you, you, I, it's unfair maybe to compare him, but I remember back in early in the beeline era when he was hellbent on doing that one, three, one. And so many, so often it just seemed like they were never really comfortable uh, it's kind of switching back and forth in, in games. And, and you, you're not seeing that there's, there's a whole lot of confidence in this bunch right now. Uh, the two other players that we got to talk about, one's an obvious one, but I do want to give a shout out to a guy who we talked about on the last podcast, who I, I don't think we were critical of, but we're, you know, wondering, okay, where's he going here? Brandon Johns was excellent against Maryland um, mm-hmm. in 10 minutes, three for three from the floor with a block, a rebound and six points. Uh, I think it's safe to assume at this point that Brandon Johns, you know, former four-star recruit, uh, is never going to be, you know, Mo Wagner. He's not going to be, yeah. you know, some some one of these, you know, four-year makes an impact every year, gets better every year, becomes a fifteen-point, you know, seven-rebound-a-game type of guy. But as an energy guy off the bench, has the potential to be really solid and played one of his better games of the season. I uh, really helped them establish, you know, a lead in the first half. But the big story, though, um, that, you know, the thing we got to talk about, you brought him up with him getting the technical. And, you know, I, you don't want to see guys get get teed up, um, especially for something as petty as looking over at a bench. But when you drop 26 and 11 uh, as a freshman, uh, go ahead and, and mean mug and, and talk back all you want. Because Hunter Dickinson right now, this has gone beyond just, okay, it's a cute story, really good recruit. He's one of the best players in the conference at this point. And that's not hyperbole. Um, he was 10 for 11 from the floor uh, against Maryland. I mean, as dominant a game as you're going to see a big man play in the Big Ten, you know, this side of what Luca Garza is doing. I mean, I, I know, I know I'm, I'm kind of going on and on about this, but you know, I, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. He's obviously exceeded expectations. He's obviously way far beyond where we expected him to be. But, I mean, are we seeing Hunter Dickinson's you know kind of ceiling, at least for 2021, or – is there is there another level that he's yet to unlock? Because if so, scary. Well, I don't want to spoil too much because we have a second game to talk about. Here. Right. Uh, you know, you asked the question, kind of, kind of queuing it up for later. Is there something else to his game we can see? But um, I'll stop short of calling him a finished product because, again, we've been pretty – I know a couple of weeks ago we I was you know there was one and done talk and I think we're all pretty much on the same page Daniel included that probably not the case given where the league is going uh, but maybe a two and done who knows maybe he's yeah. a four year guy who knows but um, a lot of you know he's six two and two fifty or two sixty already but still seven two I'm sorry seven foot two yeah. Um, yeah. again late night Got exactly it. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, there's a lot of growing for him to do like physically in terms of, I mean, can you imagine him coming back next year at, you know, after an off season with John Sanderson, it's <laughs> insane. It's scary. Yeah. I mean, that's an, e- that's an evil cackle that just came from you. So exactly. it's, yeah. 
um, for this year, like, I don't know how much more growth there is. And I think there are certainly some things that we can talk about um, from the Northwestern game that, again, you're kind of queuing up. Is there more to his game? But again, um, to see a guy not only just, I was always kind of, you know, as a sidebar, I was kind of surprised by the amount of people who really thought that it would take long for him to supplant Austin Davis. And that that's not a slight against him, but this is a guy who less than a year ago, maybe, um, you know, you talk about these, these high school recruits playing top tier talent uh, the way they do in some of these showcases. He took it to Evan Mobley last year. Yeah. And, and that's a guy like, that's a guy who we talk about lottery picks. That's a lottery pick. That's probably a top five, top 10 guy. So I've never really doubted that he could have an impact as a freshman. Um, I thought maybe, maybe the ceiling might be the best version of what John Teske was, but he's not John Teske. He's, he's Hunter Dickinson. And what we're seeing from him is just, again, um, it's, it's great. And, you know, he's got a little bit of an edge to him. Um, He's a funny guy. He's, he's a likable guy. He's beloved in that locker room. But when he gets on the court, especially you talk about him staring down Maryland and things like that, it's this guy's a competitor and someone who I think at times has kind of had to drink out of a fire hose, but he's ready for it. And I think something, you know, tying this all back to Jawan Howard, something that's so impressive to me is how he has pretty much hit home runs on just about everyone he's brought in, not just from a talent and fit standpoint, but from a competitor standpoint, from a likability, a culture standpoint. Like he is, he's checking every box with these additions. And it's, you know, when you, not to look too far ahead, but when you see what we've seen now from two years of him building a roster, and then you see what he's bringing in next year, man, it is, I cannot, he deserves all of the praise he gets and then some. Yeah, no, I'm with you completely. I, you know, again, and we'll, we'll talk a bit more about this when we talk about Northwestern. This is this is very fun, right? We're still in the honeymoon period. They've played some meaningful games, but you know we know what the big ones are. With that said, it is absolutely true to say. I mean, how long has he he been the coach here now? What eighteen months, roughly? You are out of your mind if at any point you believe that the first eighteen months would have been this solid. I mean, you know, whether you whatever you believe about last year's team. I'm sorry. Uh, you go, especially maybe it's just me watching the first nine games of this year. The fact that last year's team going into the Big Ten tournament was comfortably in the in the NCAA tournament is kind of astonishing. And you look at what they've done this year. Um, yeah, he's killing it. So, hey guys, Anthony from Maze and Brew here to introduce you to our friends and sponsors of the podcast, HomeFieldApparel.com. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand located right in the heart of Big Ten country in Indianapolis and makers of some of the most comfortable items of clothing you will ever own. Homefield launched its Michigan collection in early November with several awesome vintage designs that capture a lot of the things we love about the Wolverines. Everything they do and design for all schools comes from a place of love that honors the history of some of our favorite institutions across the country. So if you're looking for a gift for that Tulane grad of yours, or simply want to add some North Dakota State gear to your collection, in addition to the Michigan stuff you buy, they are the place to do it. Our listeners, our readers, 
the Mason Brew family can get 20% off your first purchase using the promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com. That's promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com for 20% off your first purchase. I promise you, their gear will become an instant favorite in your collection. Let's move on to the the second game, the game that went down yesterday. Michigan, 19-point blowout against the number 19-ranked Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, it, was, it, it, it was not that close. Uh, this thing was... I don't know if it ever got to 30. I think it got to 29, but this was, it was 14 at halftime and it was over um, because Michigan's best player had had four points and Michigan was still winning by double figures comfortably. Um, this thing was an absolute drubbing. I'll, I'll start off with a little bit of classic Castellani pessimism and just say Northwestern's not the 19th best team in the country. I, I know they got off to a nice, nice little start. Um, they've beaten a few teams maybe that we thought were going to be pretty good and haven't been, they have some good players, but I'm going to leave it beside, you know, I'm going to leave that to the side right now because you don't win by 19 in the big 10, especially in the big 10 this year where every game is a grind, uh, flawless, really, when you break it down, in my opinion, uh, 50% from the floor, a team effort. You had a bunch of guys get in a bunch of guys play. You had five guys in double figures. I'll let you, uh, a lead off, you know, talk about this a little bit more, Anthony, but I mean, maybe the most complete game they've played since, I don't know, Villanova two years ago, honestly. It's tough to say. Um, and I'm going to have to work off a prompt here because that's just kind of the state of mind. Uh, you know, just kind of going up the takeaways I have from the game uh, that I put out on the site, which is up now, by the time you hear this, um, to bring it back to, I mean, all roads lead back to Star Wars for me, honestly, but to to use a Star Wars reference, like what you saw on Sunday night was a fully operational battle station. I mean, five guys in double figures, active on both ends of the floor. I, the turnovers are still a concern to me um, a little bit, but I think we've talked about this before with the, the style of basketball they play now. I think that the turnovers – will kind of still be an issue, but some of them, especially early in that game when they were in a little bit of a hole, which was the only time they struggled on Sunday. Um, just, it seems like a lot of lazy and careless passes or just kind of, um, how do I put this? I think it's, it's akin to a, a talented quarterback that falls in love with how good he is. Cause they are extremely good. Like sometimes you can get so caught up in how good and how talented you are that uh, you just do make careless mistakes. Cause you assume that, you know, it's just going to work out for you. And that's not, that's not saying it's a cocky thing, but like it, it's hard to play <laughs> playing as well as Michigan has. It, it's really hard to do that and have your, have your foot on the pedal for, you know, a, an entire 40 minutes. So there's going to be stretches. You'd like to see them start a little quicker, but you know, when you, I think they were down eight to two and then you know, the rest of the game, I think they won by 19. It was never that close. <laughs> I think that uh, Northwestern went on a little bit of a run when Juwan emptied out the bench there, but yeah, this is a team that, you know, you probably have five guys who on any given night can be the guy between um, Eli Brooks, Franz, Isaiah Livers, Hunter Dickinson, Shondi Brown, Mike Smith could get hot on a given night, which would give you six guys. Um, any combination of two of those guys going off would be great for you. Three or four of them is, you know, that's, that's the best team in the big 10. If that's what happens more nights than not. So um, 
And like I said, Northwestern, obviously a little bit overrated, not 19th. I think Ken Palm had them somewhere in the 40 to 50 range. Yeah. But again, um, you know, we've talked about how, and this is another takeaway for me. I've talked about how um, in terms of Ken Palm, you hear us reference that a lot. The last 10 national champions have all been outside of those two UConn teams with uh, Kemba Walker. And then the second one with uh, Shabazz, Shabazz Napier. Napier. Yeah. Every national champion beside them has been top 10 in offense and top 15 in defense. Michigan's and that's def- offensive and defensive efficiency. Michigan's seventh in the country there right now. Um, they're up to 29th, which is, that's a good spot to be. They rose five spots after this game. And at some point, I think I wrote on December 4th, I think that they were 44th somewhere early December. It was, they were 44th in the country. Um, and w- what we're seeing now is a lot, you know, as he played more games, the preseason data from Ken Palm's getting worked out, but they're kind of inching closer and closer. And you know, I've talked about how I think that they have top 25 um, potential in terms of defensive efficiency. They're kind of getting there. And, and when, when front, like to me, again, Juwan Howard said after the game that maybe it wasn't someone asked if it was uh, the best game that Franz Wagner has ever played at Michigan. He's had better offensive games, but this was a, you know, he had 14 points, 10 rebounds, five assists and five blocks for a guy. That's a wing. They, they announced him as a guard during the starting lineups to have five blocks in a game, which I think a few of them were jump shots is absolutely absurd. Uh, If that guy is showing up every night, so maybe he doesn't score 18, 19, 20 points. If the guy that is all of a sudden, maybe your team's best defender, uh, if that's happening every night, I mean, yeah, they could, they could keep climbing there uh, for sure. Yeah. The, the guy who showed up in the last three games for Michigan, uh, that guy's a lottery pick uh, he, straight up. Uh, you know, he's, he's a really difficult guy to go up against on, on ball. You know, if you're an offensive player, cause he's got so much length um, was probably the best player on the floor tonight and only shot four for 10 from the field. And, and it's like, we saw glimpses of that early on this season where it was like, we, cause we all asked, and I think those were all fair questions. We're like, what's going on with Franz offensively, but we never had any doubt that he was, wasn't impacting the game because you would look at these games and he would have like four points, but then he'd have, a, he'd have 11 rebounds and four assists or something like that. Like he was clearly making an impact on the game just seemed to be just somewhat of a confidence issue, maybe, or maybe it was just cold offensively, but he's turned it around. Uh, looks, looks excellent. Um, you know, I haven't watched every team in the big 10, um, but I'm, I, I have a hard time believing there's a better sixth man than Sean D. Brown um, with what he brings to this basketball team right now. And he's had off games. He did not have a great game uh, against Maryland, but you know, Duncan Robinson won sixth man of the year. And he had many a game where he was, you know, the, the famous, the Drew Hallett stat of, you know, the 30, what something, and know, when he scored six points or more, that also mm-hmm. meant there were a fair amount of games when uh, he was cold. Uh, but this you talk about a guy that was in just an amazing pickup, and that's why you know we talked about this a little bit in the group chat. You know, people were so devastated when they lost Isaiah Todd and they lost Josh Christopher. I no, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can necessarily go with the opinion that you know we, we you brought up tonight, but like because those those are five star guys, you want to have five star guys, but you know, given the experience that someone like Chande brings 
and the experience that, you know, a, a, a Mike Smith brings in comparison to potentially two incoming freshmen and let's say David DeJulius, who I loved, but, you know, would be in his first year starting at point guard. Um, it's like the balance they have in this team, the mix of, of veteran guys and, and young guys is, is it's pretty startling. And this has all of a sudden become a, an extremely dangerous basketball team. And not to mention they're four and O or whatever in conference play. And they're without one of their big men. I mean, they were, they're without the guy who started the season at center. And I think that's where like Juwan as a coach has really shined through here. Um, we, we love Austin Davis. He's done some really good things over the last couple of years, but as a team, they haven't really skipped much of a beat. And that's where I thought it would affect them against Maryland. That's where I thought maybe it would affect them tonight. Uh, it hasn't. And it just, the confidence that this team is playing with, it really, it really is fun and inspiring that there's, there's one more guy I want to talk about, but is there anything else you have to add? I mean, it's, it's overwhelming praise, but I don't know. They've played nine games and seven of them have been decisive victories. It feels like we're saying a lot of the same things every week, <laughs> just which I'm fine with. Man. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Um, it's great. I mean, if we could just, you know, control C control V what we talk about, it yes. makes the show a lot easier, but yeah. Um, you no, know, we touched on Hunter Dickinson, um, how we how we queued that thing up earlier. Um, if Hunter Dickinson is going to start hitting mid-range jump shots, and then also something I thought, you know, he he's I thought he did a pretty good job of, you know, Northwestern was going to double him and it kind of worked. He only had four points, I think four or five points in the first half. Yeah, I had four and points. And then, yeah. you know, to see that and then to start getting other guys involved and then once they have to pay attention to those other guys, it, you know, it, it's just such a win-win mm-hmm. um, when he can get going, when the team can get going, um, you know, from having a guy that commands more attention in the post. And it just, now you have the guys to, to hit those outside shots, which mm-hmm. it's, it feels like last, like they haven't really had that uh, even, you know, the, uh, the year before last year with that Jordan Poole, uh, Ignis, you know, Brasdakis team, they were pretty inconsistent there. But, you know, yeah. on any given night, you're going to have a couple guys who are kind of cooking from out there. Uh, yeah. I think it's really with all the – when you can go nine or ten deep, I think it's really going to be rare that you have, as a team, have an off night. And if you do, maybe it winds up being like that Penn State game where you grind it out anyways. So yeah. um, if Hunter Dickinson is going to start hitting jump shots and, and he can hit – he can hit the three ball. It's on his high school film. So yeah, I know yeah. if that's scary, that's truly scary to think about. Um, like I said, it's just the, I think we've always felt that, the, you know, once we establish the floor, uh, you know, we thought oh, maybe, you know, maybe this might be a team that can get to the second weekend of the tournament. Mm-hmm. When you look at this big 10, I mean, Iowa, they can't, you know, they can't stop a nosebleed. So I don't see them. This is true. Yes. You know, they're, they're first in offense, which is great, but you know, they're, they're 93rd in defensive efficiency. That's, that's way outside the criteria in terms of what we've been talking about, you know, yeah. what makes a, a contender and things like that. Um, Wisconsin, Illinois, you know, this, this is a good team at the, or a good conference at the top, but based on what I've seen from all those teams, I don't, and maybe this is biased given the, um, the nine and zero record, and there's a little asterisk next to that. It was a shorter mm-hmm. non-conference. They had a game against uh, NC State canceled, but this is the big, the best team in the Big Ten right now. And mm-hmm. 
and something I like to hear from, from Shawnee Brown after the game, they asked, someone asked him what, you know, what they need to work on. What are they satisfied? And he said, you know, we're not satisfied until we beat every team in the big time. And he's made re- reference of something about something along the lines of, you know, we're not going to say who the teams are, but there are teams that are ranked higher than us and get talked about more. And we don't really understand why. So we're going to try and beat them all, which if that's the mentality that this team has with as talented as there, I mean, Listen, I, I trust it's it, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun rest of the year, and we're still kind of having, you know, to a certain extent in the back of your head, there's that that COVID cloud is still kind of there. You, you just hope that things continue to progress. Um, I know Penn State. I think I think Penn State. I forget who the opponent was. They was it had Wisconsin? A game. I think. I think so. Well, yeah. That was the first conference game canceled so far. So. Um, no, it, it's going to continue to be an issue. Um, but, you know, these next couple of games, there's there's more opportunity. When Minnesota comes to town on Wednesday, they go play the rematch at Penn State on Saturday. And then a week from Tuesday, they get Wisconsin at Chrysler. So these are, you know, we get to that part of the season where you look at clusters of games and you go, okay, if they can go such and such in this mm-hmm. stretch. Um, but, you know, r- right now, every game you win – um, before losing is just, it's, it's kind of gravy at this point. So, yeah, you know, um, even if you just tread water in conference play, which I think this team is much better than that, you're set up pretty well to not only make the NCAA tournament, but probably be in a fairly uh, advantageous spot in terms of seating and things like that too. So a lot of basketball still to be played. It's, it's January. It's, it's January 3rd. As we record this, the, the season, goes until March 7th and then there'll be a big 10 tournament and obviously NCAA tournament hoping we get there. We'll see what it all looks like. But right now I, I don't, I, I sound like a broken record, but man, this is one of the 10 best teams in college basketball. And I think at their best when they're really locked in, I, I don't know outside of maybe Gonzaga and Baylor. I don't know if I've really been more impressed with anyone else this year. Uh, I mean, Jeez, you know, it's it's hard to disagree. And, and you know, re- real quick, you brought up, you know, Dickinson tonight, um, how he kind of struggled in the first half. And, you know, you brought up the idea of, you know, what maybe there are going to be those games where shots aren't falling. Um, but then you do, and you kind of alluded to this, you do run into what they ran into against Oakland and Penn State. And that's that you have a big guy down low who shoots 80% from the floor. Who is um who is essentially unstoppable? Like Hunter Dickinson, even when he's not scoring, contributes so much to a team. And even Franz Wagner said this in the post game presser. It's like we had good looks tonight because you clamp down on the on that ten foot guy on the block. It creates open three. It creates open threes and open jump shots. And unlike last season, where and that's why last year when there were people who were you know and most of them are opinions I don't need to hear, but like there were those people who were kind of frustrated with the way things are going. The, what I always said was they move the ball. They're getting good looks. They have open shots. It's the execution. Execution can be fixed through recruiting with good talent. And I think this year is so far, you know, like you said, long ways to go is kind of the first iteration of what, Jawan believed would be kind of the the official new age of Michigan basketball here. 
Before we call it quits, there's one guy I want to bring up because it, we always talk about Dickinson and Livers and Wagner and Brown. Uh, can I, Hucks, can I make ahead. a quick Hunter Dickinson uh, final point? Yeah, so, go ahead. Uh, Bart Torvik, who you know does it, it kind of similar to Kempom stuff, analytics, things like that, um, put out some early Hunter Dickinson player comparisons uh, in terms of what he's kind of doing on the floor right now. So here's a few names for you that Hunter Dickinson is kind of in that same breath with. Okay. DeAndre Ayton, Thomas Bryant, Udoka Azubuki, Marvin Bagley Jr., Jaleel Okafor, Zach Collins, Maurice Spates. That's what he's doing right now. Those yeah. are speaks for itself. I mean, he's yeah. he's been incredible. Yeah. Uh, but just real quick, I, I want to bring up a guy who I, I the unsung hero to me of this basketball team, and he's not the flashiest player. Uh, Eli Brooks has been absolutely sensational for this basketball team. Uh, yep. Eli Brooks, to me, you know, I, I still think Livers is probably the leader in the heart and soul, but a four-year guy who, you know, rather quietly was five for nine tonight and four for five from three-point range. Uh, one of the best defenders on the team uh, is a guy who's been asked at points to fill different roles. He's been asked to be the backup point guard. He's been asked to be, uh, you know, kind of more of a, a slasher type. He's been asked to be a shooter and um, has kind of put his head down and gone about things really admirably. And in this day and age, and, you know, I, I'm totally fine with this, but in this day and age of, you know, the Dickinson types, the one or two and done, you know, that we've seen here. And, you know, we love those guys and they did amazing things for the program. Uh, there really is a lot to, to admire about a guy who's just gone about his business and has under two different coaching regimes been asked to do different roles and um, maybe doesn't get the attention of some other guys on this roster, but has done some really good things. Uh, you know, we, we go back to the Penn State game where his defense, that final possession, won them that game. Um, he's continued to roll and has played some really good basketball and, and deserves um, you know, a, a, more recognition than he's probably getting. So uh, I do you, um, do you have anything else to add, man? Are you ready to call it a night? I'm ready for bed. Honestly. All right. All right let's uh, <laughs> um, yeah, let, this. Hey, here's, here's this in conclusion. Uh, this team is good and should be feared. I wrote that the other night. Um, that's where we're at. This is for what my money's worth right now. The best team in the big 10, most complete, the deepest, best coached. So I, uh, I, well, they're the best team in the big 10 right now. Uh, I think, I know they stumbled early on a little bit in the season. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a gear to Illinois that we haven't seen yet. Sure. Um, I, Iowa to me will win a lot of games because on 99% of the games, hell hundred percent of the games they play, they're going to have the best player on the floor. Their defense is Swiss cheese and has been for, you know, since Fran and their MO. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, you know, Michigan didn't have a single good jump shooter last year and they scored 102, you know, they <laughs> Brandon Johns looked like Michael Jordan in that game. So like, I, I, um, they're a very good team. It's just the one team I think like at their ceiling, um, may, may, you may have an argument as to being the best team in the big 10. I think what Brad Underwood does there, uh, they're pretty darn competitive and very talented and they've recruited well. So that will do it for, uh, very positive Michigan Hoops podcast. Um, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. I'm not posting a ton right now. I'll, you know, I'll be back soon. But uh, there you'll find the link to my other stuff, um, my YouTube page where I review movies, post a review of uh, Wonder Woman 84 uh, last week. 
I have another show, Locked on Tigers. You can find that wherever podcasts can be found, and you can follow that show on Twitter at Locked on Tigers. I appreciate that. And, Anthony, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. You can follow the website at Maze and Brew. Uh, Find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher for all of our shows. Um, I should have looked this up before, but we're inching closer and closer to show number 400 as a site, which is – Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's a milestone uh, yeah. to be sure. So, yeah, um, yeah. When this is posted, this is three ninety eight. So I believe our recruiting guys will be podcast number four hundred. So, uh, yeah, thanks to ahead of time, and we'll be we'll be back tomorrow doing again what will be I assume a very different show uh, than this. I think Monday. You know, if I had a crystal ball looking into the future, I think it could be a busy day for us. But we'll see what happens. Um, Again, uh, follow us on all those platforms. And like I said, um, into the new year, glad to have you along for the ride. Yeah. You know, one really fun thing about this basketball team too, uh, we know who the coach is and we know where he's going to be. <laughs> yeah. So um, things may be a little bit different on the brewcast, but we will discuss that uh, when we come to it. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, happy New Year. Uh, thanks for uh, staying on board. We will see you later. Have a good one.